the theme of hope and the season of Advent, which in the end is about hope coming into the world in and through Jesus Christ. Um, I have been thinking about this word, though, despite the Lord asking me to speak about it. Over the last few months, I've been speak, uh, thinking about this word. And uh, its prominence will increase now with the Advent season upon us. From Christmas napkins to bonbons, wrappers, or Christmas cards, or TV presentations with a word salad, you know those word salads that they all put together with all the Christmas uh, uh, words and Advent season words, the festive season language, it's moving towards more these days, hope will be presented to us. Although I am noticing it's a word that's starting to disappear of some of those festive season uh, items and we'll talk about why in just a little while. But my experience of this world, particularly over the last week and a half, um, is uh, uh, my grandfather passed away a, a week and a half ago. Uh, was It's almost become a word to a lot of people that it's almost a wish uh, passed on from very well-meaning people, very, very well-meaning people who want to wish you the best in a circumstance that they really have no power uh, to change. They've got no ability to necessarily change the circumstance, but they actually want it to be, to work out for you. So they say, I hope it all works out. In September this year, I hoped beyond hope that my beloved Richmond Tigers, after 37 years of pain, I'm 43 years old. And my Tigers have made the finals three times in that, I think it is in that time, four times maybe. Either way, it wasn't a grand final, most of them. So I hoped that they would actually make the grand final. A miracle would occur and they would not rip my heart out and stomp on it on the ground. Once again, that they would win the grand final. And they did. And they actually did get up. But... That was the same kind of sentiment to my Tigers. I had no ability to change that circumstance for them, but I hoped that that would actually be the case, that they would win. It was a wonderful, wonderful present to my grandfather. He's a Tigers man through and through, and my last conversation with him was around Richmond winning the grand final. We had a good 15, 20-minute chat about how great it was. So um, it was a great present to him right before his passing. We may use hope in the context as in the context as a desired present for Christmas. I hope to get a puppy. No, I don't. I've already got one. I don't I don't want a puppy. You might hope you get a puppy. I hope I get a sound system. Yeah, I do hope for that. I, that one I will take. It's got four letters in it. One of them begins with B, and the other three are boasts. All right, well, O-S-E, but uh, both. <laughs> it's not happening. It's all right, but I I hope. I hope I get a tent, I hope I get a car. I don't know, you guys know what you're hoping for in, in, uh, in, in what you might get for Christmas. But earlier this week, when we did attend my grandfather's funeral, and on the way we stopped to get some ice because we needed it to, to put in the morning tea drinks afterwards, and uh, it was a cracking Melbourne day, just contrary to what John Bajaya says about the Melbourne weather, 35 degrees on Thursday, stinker of a day, it was a shocker. Um, so we needed to get some ice. And as it came about, you know, I was dressed up, and the attendant said, you know, where are you going? And it talked about it being a funeral. And her final statement, as you could expect, was... I hope it goes well. It was a 
again, once again, I hope it goes, I hope it becomes so because I have no power to make it so for you. And it, it's in that circumstance the definition of hope is more about a feeling that things will turn out for the best. That can be a part of what hope is all about. But hope it permeates our entire being. Outwardly, we hope for change in our circumstances or obtain that which, that which we desire. But there is an inward aspect to hope that humanity can't ignore, although we really try. We do really try. And therefore, we turn to the Bible. We turn to the Bible for an understanding of its view of hope, and it's very different to what the world might use the word hope for. Hope still has elements of the feeling for something wanted or that things will turn out for the best. That's still there. It's, it's through, the, through the scriptures. You can see it in the Psalms and in the, um, and in the prophets, if you have a read of that. But biblical hope is about a trust in or reliance on. Hope is no longer, I hope it becomes so, but my hope now is I know it will be so. Why? It's one unshakable and immovable reason. It is Jesus, the magical answer that we always come up with in this church. The answer is Jesus, once again. Jesus came to this earth... He lived a sinful, sin, oh wow, let me stop there and just pull that one right back. Jesus came to earth, lived a sinless, sinless life in relationship with the Father, died on the cross and he rose again. Death has been defeated, sin has been conquered and the way is open for all to come to the Father through Jesus. And that is our first aspect of hope. What I want to do this morning is read to you from First Peter. If you want to turn to your Bibles, while I grab a quick drink of water. First Peter chapter 1. And if you don't have your Bible, I think we... we oh, sorry, I made that a bit small, but... Um, I think you can, can you read that still if you don't have your Bible? If you don't, it's an encouragement for you to move forward. Ah, oh, good. <laughs> so I was trying. Let me read um, verses 3 through to 9 for you. And then we'll pull this apart a little bit this morning. Praise Peter the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
I love to pray after reading the word, so let's, let's do that right now. Jesus, we thank you for these um, just amazing words that we are born into hope when we come to know you. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that that word has become um, a little less than what it probably should be before you. But we want to now turn our hearts and our minds and all of our being towards you and say, would you come and restore hope where it's needed this morning? Would you come and open our eyes to an even greater measure of hope this morning? And that if any in the people in this room uh, may not be in a relationship with you yet, are, are just exploring and finding out about you, I pray this morning that the realisation that there is hope beyond their present circumstance would become a reality in their lives and that it's in and through you, Jesus. So we, we just say this morning we love you. We want more of you. And in this season, may our lives be filled with hope that the world may not deny that you live. May we be a light in this area of hope throughout this Advent season in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, I tossed and turned whether or not to say this, but at my grandfather's funeral, I decided to go with it, um, my grandfather's funeral, it became really evident really quickly to me those that actually knew Jesus and had a hope beyond a wish or just a human feeling. It was really evident because, you know, we all were going through grief. Hope doesn't say we don't have feelings where we don't grieve or in that circumstance we don't grieve. But it, you, you could see and you could tell those that are walking and following Jesus there, there was a grief of sadness about not seeing my grandfather anymore, but there was a sense of joy and hope in, in this, like, almost these two things in tension going on. And you just look at it and you go, in one sense, it doesn't make sense. How do you do that? How do you hold those two things in tension? But for those that didn't know Jesus, you could see the grief on their face. And in the end, that grief also, from my perspective, I looked at it and I went, you don't have hope. You are f suddenly faced as a person with the reality of a, the death of somebody you know and, and that it's in front of you, but you don't know what's going to happen when it happens to you. And so the mortality was some, suddenly in front of them and, and you could tell the lack of hope that existed in their life. The great thing was about the services, Jesus was just ripping through the whole thing and, and, and being mentioned throughout the whole thing. So I'm trusting that he's got a, a purpose and a plan for those people um, that were there. But there was such a lack of hope. You know, when we come to know Jesus, we are birthed into hope. Everything has changed. We know that. For those that know Jesus, everything changed. No longer did we have to carry the weight of our sin, of the things that we were doing wrong in our life, that we knew it, whether we knew Jesus or not. And the reality was we understood that there were things going on that just weren't right, weren't sitting right, didn't feel right, and we were carrying them and we couldn't change the circumstance. And we met Jesus. 
and the burden just, you, you remember, you, come on, I'm calling it back for those of you who's been a while, I'm calling those memories back. It was like, I don't know about you, but for me it was like off the shoulders, it was just, oh, I feel so much lighter. I, I feel peace. I, I feel joy. I feel happiness. Yep, I still got trials to go through and stuff, but there's something about this that there's a certainty about my life now that of, of, of direction, of, of hope, of joy, of I don't have to try as hard anymore because Jesus did it all for me and I now can be in relationship with him. But I'm not going to try and tell you anymore in the sense of my personal journey. I thought it might be good that we might have David Crowder um, sing a song that reminds us of our hope in Jesus this morning. Now, David Crowder, if you don't know, Oh How He Loves Us, what we just sung, he's, he prominently reintroduced that into the worship um, space. He is a great worship leader if you want to go and look at some of his um, music and have a listen to that. But Thea, can we put that up there? Are we all good? Great. If it's a little dark and you can't see, there are pictures of it inside of a church, but you'll be right. Just listen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This morning I want to encourage those um, who know Jesus in this Advent season, I really want to encourage you, let this be a season of hope. I want you to remember, and I know the Lord wants you to remember what you have been saved from and what you have been saved into, a glorious, joyous and living hope. May you be a light to the world this Advent season as you live in hope in Jesus. Not a wish, not a thought or a desire, but uh, I know it will be so because of Jesus. To those in the room, some may not know Jesus. This is a great season. This season is about Jesus despite what's happening more and more as it becomes more known as a festive season. This season is about the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And when he was born, hope was no longer a wish. Hope was a reality in the person of Jesus. As David Crowder just sang, you don't have to keep carrying the stuff that you're carrying. There is freedom for you in Jesus' name that your circumstances can be changed, that you can know him, that you can be loved by him. There is nothing you can have done that will change the fact that he loves you. So the offer is there for any who would want that this morning. But there is other aspects in the Bible, and as Peter has just talked about, when he goes on to say, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, Peter was writing to Christians who were um, persecuted and faced the daily reality that that could have been their last on earth. Peter himself is writing to give them hope and remind them of the triumphant Jesus, that he conquered death and they too can do the same through him. 
Take courage because Jesus has conquered death and an inheritance awaits you beyond earthly lives. Many often when a family member passes are looking for that earthly inheritance, but Peter tells us that when we pass ourselves, there is an inheritance in Jesus that awaits us. You know, I, um, I had the honour and the privilege of actually leading the service for my grandfather uh, on Thursday down in Melbourne. It was, it was tough, <laughs> very hard to do, but it was an honour. It was his wish that, that I do that with my family and, and many of my family got up and spoke. And it was at that time, you know, when, you, when you, you go to those kind of things, we get caught up in the busyness of life and all that is going on that we uh, sometimes forget that we are mortal beings. And, um, you know, there were, there were times where the, the preachers of, of old, man, the message that they gave was, you know, you need to be saved now because when you die, you need to go to be with Jesus in heaven. And it's really true, but there's a lot more to it than that we'll look at in a minute. But there is a reality that that is the case, that when we pass, we have a hope in Jesus that he will. We will dwell with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And that, rea- that, reali- that became a reality for me this week as I watched and reflected on my grandfather. And, and he was a... In the end, as the stories were being told, he, he was a great man of, of, of faith and hope. He was able to look with the eyes of Jesus and really see things and hope for things beyond what was presented to him. I was um, a little tacker and I'd often go over to their place and stay the night and a lot of my work ethic that I have today are because of my grandfather and my dad, but um, in particular this time I'm reflecting on my grandfather and I'd go work with him during the holidays, stay at their house for days on end and if I was, if I was not too tired, I, I would sometimes stay awake at night and, and I would listen and I would hear from my grandparents' room, they would read the scriptures together every night and I would just listen and and you don't realize as a kid but at that time it was having deep impact on my soul I I really believe that the Lord was showing me that this week and then if I was really really could could go go the distance I would then hear my nana and pa stop and pray for their family I think this happened just about every night they would pray for us they held a hope before Jesus that we would know him and that we would love him. And many of it, they have laid a foundation um, for my family and, and we're continuing to, to grow in that and receive their, the inheritance that they've, that they've laid for us in Jesus as a result of that. But there is, a, we, there is that aspect of hope that we do need to focus on as Christians, that one day we will go and we will go and be with Jesus in heaven and we hold that before us. And I, I loved listening to my grandfather. I loved it and it was hard as he began to talk about the fact that he knew his time was coming and the wrestle that he was having in the midst of what's it going to be like, what's it going to feel like, what's going to happen, and to now know that on the other side, all of the things and thoughts that he ever had and dreams about what it could be like have been blown out of the water, absolutely blown out of the water. His hope is now fulfilled. 
in heaven. And there will be a day when each of us will see our hope fulfilled as we enter into eternity to be with Jesus. I love that. I was really, really jealous of him <laughs> on Thursday. That that feeling, I mean, I want to be here with my kids, but that feeling and that knowledge that he he's there, he's there with them now, and, 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 and what would he say to me now? And I was thinking it was a case that he would say, dream bigger, Scott, go harder, hope more, because i got to tell you the reality of what I'm experiencing now is beyond what you could ask or imagine. So keep going after it. Keep the hope before you and go after it because, oh my goodness, this is amazing here. And I would believe he would encourage me and I would encourage you with that today. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to point out a little side note as we... um, No, my apologies. One more aspect of hope that we want to, I want to look at this morning, and that is the hope that we have in Jesus. And I want to kind of wrap it up in here because I, I am on a, I, that's not the right clock. I want to make sure we give the kids plenty of app, a time this morning to be able to do their practice so that they can uh, do an amazing presentation uh, next week. But there is one more aspect of hope that I want to look at, and that is our hope in this present age. Like I said, the preachers of old, I was looking, listening to Billy Graham, and he had an amazing ability to call on people in terms of be saved because of what could, could come. And, and I was like, oh, but I, I think there's a little bit more to that. Now, he might have done that in other messages, but um, in, in the one I was listening to, it was, it was very much around um, be saved from the fire, so to speak. You know, I don't know if you've been around churches for a while, but in the 80s, I remember many messages, um, many, actually many drama skits. Who ever saw a drama skit about, about uh, yeah, <laughs> here we go, about what would, what would, why we need to be saved and heaven and hell and all of those kind of things. But there was an aspect in that message that was lacking. It's about hope in the present age. Our hope is not just that we get saved so we go to be in heaven. It's a part of it. It's a, it's a really big part of it. But our hope is in Jesus and his promise was is that his king, kingdom was coming now. Not just when we die, but the kingdom of heaven was available now. And so Peter says in verses 6 to 8 of the passage we just read, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that uh, the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There's the markers of hope. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to make note here, and um, it's really important to note, often in the New Testament when you read hope, it's very rare that you'll see that without faith also being mentioned within the Bible. The two work hand in hand together. In fact, Paul put it up with the big three of the pillars, uh, faith, hope, and love, the three that still remain. Um, so whenever you're thinking about your hope, faith is the is kind of the, um, 
the working towards the, as James would talk, it's the things we put into practice. It's, well, Hebrews says the assurance of what we hope for and the things we do not see. Um, but it, it's, it's the working out the, uh, the faith in the, the promises of God to see it happen, the, the daily things that we do in our lives to see um, God's promises come to be. Hope is the expectation and understanding that it's going to happen. That's the joy. So that, does that, does that kind of resonate? Is that, do you get what I'm saying there? Those two things work hand in hand. And obviously love just circles the whole, whole, whole lot. The two work together very closely in tandem. But this Christmas time, we remember the birth of Jesus and the, the hope that we have in Jesus. We also at this time hear the stories and, and watch and, uh, different skits and, and different movies this year that are coming out about um, the nativity. But they have a context, and that context is centred around the nation of Israel. Uh, for Israel, the prophets, the Proverbs and the Psalms cried out in hope that God's promise of his Holy One, the Messiah, would one day come and ransom Israel who had been exiled from the land, um, we also know as Israel. You see, Israel had broken covenant. I know many of you may know this. I don't want to assume everybody does know this in the room. But Israel had broken covenant or an agreement, the agreement they had with God on how they were going to live together in relationship with God. They had broken it time and time and time again. And then finally God gave warning after warning after warning to say, turn back, don't do it, turn back, don't do it, turn back, don't do it. And then down came the hammer. And eventually Israel was exiled over a long period of time. Conquering nations came and took many of the Israelites out of the nation of Israel. And Israel was, in effect, it was still there, but it was nowhere near the nation that it once was. And they cried out to God. They cried out to God for for mercy and that he would come and restore Israel to its former glory so much so that it took 400 years between the prophets and then the time of Jesus for the Messiah to eventually come. And in that time, period of time, over those 400 years, there was potential messiahs because Israel was looking for the restoration of the land. Now, you've got to understand the importance of why. It was because to Israel and the temple in particular, this was where God's presence dwelt. This is where he was in terms of being on earth. And so when Israel was conquered, and the temple knocked down at some stage, when Israel was conquered, this was utter devastation for Israel. Complete identity destruction because they were raised as a nation on the basis of being in relationship with God and it was wiped out in their eyes from underneath them. And so they continued to cry out for a Messiah, let the Messiah come. And potential, you may know, some of you may have heard of the Maccabees. This was a time where they thought that maybe the Messiah was here in the form of one of the Maccabees because they were kicking the the conquering nations out of Israel and it looked like they might be able to restore it. It didn't happen eventually, but it was those kind of guys that were coming along and as potential Messiahs. But 400 years later... A rumour begins to spread. Some magi have come and they've gone to the king, or the wannabe king probably is a better way of putting him, in Herod, and have said, we've seen the star 
a king has been born and we've come to worship him. And that's not a kid's story. That's history. That's what happened. And all of Israel was disturbed. Or sorry, the scriptures in Matthew 2 say that Herod was definitely disturbed. Allah, I'm going to lose my throne, maybe. Uh, but all of Jerusalem was also disturbed. But I think they're disturbed was, could it be? Could it be now that the Messiah, could our hope actually now be coming into a reality? And they, they began, to, began to wonder and hope again. And we see this in, in some of our carols, some of that story of Israel, like in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Do you know that? You, I'm not singing it for you. That's not happening. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what the words say in the first verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And then it goes on to say, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. It's a song of hope. It's a carol of hope coming to those that have been held captive. And then goes on in that carol to not just talk about Israel, but our circumstance to say, O come thou rod of Jesse free, thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Some great words of truth and a reminder of what of Jesus' coming to save both Israel and those who would come and receive him. I love the two lines. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. A song of hope, words of hope. So the, the Messiah is, um, everything's been stirred up and, and the people are wondering, could this be the Messiah? But the, unfortunately in, the, in Israel's time, for the majority of them, they were looking for a redeemer to give Israel back her former glory. The good old Davidic David, days of David and Solomon, the great days of Israel where they were a superpower as, as such within the world. You see, the temple had been that central place of worship because that's where God's presence was. So, but not like we have today. It's not like what our churches are. We, we look at it a little bit differently. This was the center, the word, the temple was the central place of worship and, and the most important place to a, a Jew, um, in the time of Jesus. And so when Jesus came though, Israel was looking for that restoration of the temple and the land and things, but when Jesus came, he said, no, 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 no. It's not going to be about a place anymore. It's going to be about people. The presence will now not be with a place, although it can be in a place. My presence will now be in the people. That's how it's going to work. That's why I've come, that each individual person would have relationship with the Father. That is the hope I bring. The hope I also bring is that the kingdom of God is breaking in and is very near. That's what he preached over and over. Hope is here. The kingdom of God is near. It's within arm's reach. You can reach out and grab it, that he would be um, king of your lives. And so this season, may this be a season of Advent where the biblical truth of hope in Jesus is celebrated in your life and the life of our nation. I really pray with all I am that we are a people of hope to those who have none 
and that we would be the light of the world in this way, that we would present them Jesus as we, as we live with hope throughout this Advent season. May your life be permeated with his love, um, with faith in him and with hope in him throughout this Advent season. Call people to Jesus this Advent season. I want to finish this morning with a, with a time of prayer. There's two aspects. We've got some prayer that we want to... Um, we want to pray for in terms of some physical healing. I'm going to get Craig to come up in a minute and read those to you. Um, but I also felt this morning, actually, when I woke up, as soon as I opened my eyes, um, I, I had a picture, and I, I felt like the Lord showed me some two aspects of, of people that have... Um, they're almost, you know, when the horses, when they want the horses to look in one direction, they have to, are they blinders or blinkers? What are they called? They are blinkers, are they? Why are they blinkers? They're not, anyway, <laughs> they don't flash. Um, but they have those, they have blinkers. The blinkers are across your eyes. And I, I felt like the Lord said, um, it's almost like, you're seeing directly what's in front of you and it's only what's right in front of you, which I think when he was talking to me were the present circumstances that you're in. These blinkers are looking, are causing you just to see the present circumstances. But what he wants to do is say, I actually want to take them off. I want to take the blinkers off that you would have perspective, that you would be able to see um, Jesus not just the circumstance, but you would see Jesus before the circumstance and that you would have hope um, that though that, that could change. That circumstance can and will change. The other one I saw straight afterwards was full coverage, like blinders. They were uh, fully covering um, people's eyes and kind of almost goes without saying, but I felt like the Lord said there's people that don't have any hope. There even can be aspects in your own life where you um, you have faith. You have faith in who Jesus was, but there's an element missing where it's actually about hope that the circumstances that you're in, you're facing, that you have, whatever those might be in your life, you can't see that they're going to change. So it's like it's kind of like wandering through and going, ah, oh, Jesus, you know, I know who you are, the Son of God, but, uh, you know, you, you, I'm walking around and, and, and I, I know that you can do it. The, the, words say, the Word says you can do it. The Bible says you can do it. But we have no hope for the thing actually changing. I don't know if that's because your circumstances of life have just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away at that hope that things can actually change and can actually be different. So we have this faith that, yes, I believe in the Son of God, but I just don't have any hope that the actual circumstance can change. I definitely don't have joy. I definitely don't have peace in that circumstance. But I do have faith in Jesus. I think Jesus wants to take that off that stuff off your eyes and restore hope to you this morning, that you would actually have a joy in your life this Advent season, that you know they will change because Jesus always wins. Jesus always wins. 